Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio, episode 490, coming to you on Monday, July 10th. We're going to talk about the latest in USC football news, including having a discussion about who are the best USC defenders of all time. Uh, well, more so, we're going to put them into a Mount Rotmore, which is our version of a Mount Rushmore discussion. So join us for that and so much more here live on YouTube, as always. Uh, and as always, you can follow us over on Twitter. Uh, I'm at MichaelCastFS. My co-host, Alicia Dorotola, is at Penguin of Troy. Uh, you can also follow us on threads now at those two uh, hubs as well. You can follow the show at Reign of Troy uh, as well. Um, our email address is randomtroy at fansided.com and our phone number, yes, our phone number, we have a phone number again, 818-643-7227. Plug that into your phone right now because it's new and the rant line is officially back. Uh, anyways, I'm your host, Mario Castillo, joined along with my co-host here in the Rantroy studio in Los Angeles, Alisa Daratola. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, we're back after um, the 4th of July holiday, uh, the end of the half year. We are back and finally have a rant line that's up and operational again. Which is extremely exciting. I hope everyone floods it with uh, their joy and, uh, and, and great cheer of, of the rant line being back. It means we get to have... Um, our fan feedback, we get, we get to hear, you know, all of those clips from the start of the show are, uh, are from the fans. Those are mm-hmm. classic parts of, uh, of Reign of Troy mythology. So very excited to have it back. We do need to re-coordinate though. Uh, we can't do one USC anymore, but we could do seven, two, two, seven. Well, we, together. we looked up what, um, what it means, what our phone number now means, which is again, 818-643-7227. Uh, 
had to go to with an 818 area code because the cool area codes um, extinct, like three were now currently extinct. Um, See, I'm an, I, I'm, you know, 818 is my, uh, my, See, my roots, my roots are in, are in 818. As a, as a kid, I thought all 800 numbers were toll free. So I thought like 818. Oh, anything. Meant, oh, like meant. I didn't know. Like I didn't realize that that was just the Valley thing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, until I got older. So I just thought that like all that, of my it friends, sounds like a like you know, one eight eight, blah blah blah. Yeah. All all my friends had eight one eight numbers growing up. Everyone near us had eight one eight. Yeah. It's weird. It's a Valley number, but uh, that's that's where you can reach us uh, with the rant line, which you guys can call in, uh, ask us your questions to the pod. Um, but it's the rant line. Have a say. Have a say about whatever you want to say, uh, and we will uh, we will play your call on the air uh, as we do. And during the season, we like to put together a bit of a montage because usually because we get too many calls, we have to figure out a way to get everybody involved. It's the only way to uh, to sort of do it. So uh, save that number in your phone eight one eight six four three seven two two seven. And uh, as I was trying to say, we we put it into a generator that tells you what the number says um nothing good it was like mid scar it means one it's it's 818 mid scar so if we were a south carolina podcast it would, this work. would be real real good for yeah. us yeah mid scar yeah yeah sure anyways uh this episode as always is brought to you by DraftKings. uh and if have you signed up to DraftKings yet? Because if you're a new user, you can receive 150 bucks in bonus bets instantly after following just three steps. Create an account, get a deposit, and then wager five bucks on any any sport. Uh, whether your first wager wins or loses, you'll still receive 150 bucks in bonus bets. All you have to do is use the code Reign of Troy, all one word, Reign of Troy, when you sign up. The best part is. Using that code, Reign of Troy, not only gets you the bonus, but also supports the podcast. It helps us out, helps us grow the show and all of those things. And if you're considering signing up for DraftKings, definitely use the code Reign of Troy, all one word, uh, R-E-I-G-N-O-F-T-R-O-Y. That's how you spell Reign of Troy. Uh, to maximize your first bets, uh, the offer is available only for new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly and check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. Uh, California, not a legally gambling state, but like we talked about last time, it's the summer. Everyone's getting their their vacations in. You're probably going to be vacationing to a to a non uh, California state, non-California state, another state, basically, right? Mm-hmm. You'll find you go to Arizona and okay. go, you know, put some put some bills down on whatever. Yeah, yeah, I'll always always code. responsibly. Uh, but yeah, use the promo, get your bets in. Yeah, and uh, and and you know, see what you can win. Yeah, uh, of course, that helps grow the show and the podcast moving forward. Uh, and moving forward, we are super excited because, Alicia, this is the last episode of the off season. Ah. At least that's what we're dubbing. Well, we we calculated uh, the number of weeks until the start of the season, and then sort of worked out how many episodes we'd need to get all of our preview stuff 
good to go for the season. And yeah, <laughs> we, this is it. We're out of time. Yeah, it's this, it's here. This is it. So big shout out to everyone who's who's joined us all off season uh, for for everything, and a big shout out to everybody in the chat here uh, on YouTube. Kenny, Richard, Dan, Tim, Matthew, Rama, Murdy, Dave Schwartz is in here. Everybody's in here, and we're super excited to always have you guys as always. Uh, and things are just turning up. Um, not only are we going to start talking to you know preview the season coming up, but next week it's going to be something that we've wanted to do for a while now. Um, we we got this request. I want to say like two or three years ago. I can't remember exactly who sent us the request. It might have been an an, an email, a text message, something. Uh, I wish I remember exactly who said it, but it was like a previously on Reign of Troy kind of deal. So it's going to be an off-season recap. We're going to recap everything that's gone on, not only in the off-season, but really the last 12 months as sort of like a preseason primer, which, uh, which is a way that uh, one of my favorite podcasts, Shift F1, an F1 podcast, uh, does like a preseason primer before the season it tells you everything you need to know to go into the season. That's what we're going to try to do our version of that next week. Which feels increasingly necessary. Um, maybe it's because we're getting older and it's harder to retain all of the information. Mm -hmm. It also just feels like there is more crap that happens during the off season from the get go. Yes. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was on the, the Quack 12 podcast a few weeks ago and we were talking about things and, he was asking about players and I was like, wait, I don't, did they transfer? Did they not? I, I just like keeping it all, keeping it all straight is very, very difficult. So yes, I think we all need a, here's what happened last season on USC <laughs> and uh, the little, the little pre-show recap. That's always very, very useful on a, on a TV show too. Like we've been watching silo and, and it's nice every week to have the little previously on silo to remind us like, Oh yeah, yeah, that, that thing happened and that thing happened and that thing happened. So, yeah. Yeah. It, it'll be a great walk through uh, not only the last 12 months, but especially the off season. Like you said, it's, it's the, tra it's the transfer portal, right? Like there's so many different things happen in the transfer portal. Uh, we walk through all of that, all of the new faces. Uh, so that'll be next week, uh, next Monday night, uh, 5 PM on YouTube as always J uh, July 17th. The following week, we're going to recap what happens at Pac-12 Media Day, Pac-12 Media Day in Vegas this year. We're not going, but we're going to still talk about what goes on there uh, and sort of set the stage for how camp begins. The week after that, last day of July, we're going to talk about the beginning of fall camp, which should be around that time. Uh, and then after that, we get into August. First week of August, August 7th. We're going to have our traditional preseason roundtable uh, with our friends, uh, Jake Merrifield of the What's Bruin Show, along with uh, Kenny Martin, formerly of uh, Traveler Hits Thursdays, one of our favorite podcasts ever. He's currently in the chat right now. He's awesome. He's, he's, he's the best. Two of our best friends in the world, and we can't wait to talk about the season going into it uh, with those guys the following week. Mid-August, we get into our offensive and defensive previews, uh, and that leads us into game week, six weeks from today. August 21st, season previews, um, our, our season predictions. So we get asked all the time, how many wins is SC going to win this year? What's your over-under for, for wins? What's 
can can SC go 12 and 0? Are they going to go 10 and 2, 11 and 1, whatever it is? August 21st. August 21st when we are putting pen to paper on what USC's win-loss predictions are, which will lead us into Wednesday, August 23rd. Alicia, that's when it all begins. The first the week zero game preview, USC mm-hmm. and San Jose State. So um bunch of podcasts on the horizon. This, of course, is episode 490. Our 500th full episode looms uh, a little bit later in, in August, and we're looking forward to that, even though it's totally not our 500th episode. It's probably like our thousandth. Whatever. Yeah, we made the mistake of not of not including car casts and other things in, in the numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dan is asking if he should be, buy in-flight Wi-Fi to keep watching. Of yes course or no. you should. Of yes. course you should. In-flight Wi-Fi is generally, to me, a good deal. Yeah. Um, the, unless the, it's like a little puddle jumper thing. Like, yeah, just get the Wi-Fi. The, the, the best part of in-flight Wi-Fi, at least it's like Southwest does it, is you're buying it for the day. For the whole day, yeah. So if you're like got connections or whatever, yeah. yeah. Anyways, that's what that's what's coming up here on Rantro Radio. Uh, this our last episode of the off season, sort of that we're we're at least that we're talking about it. So, uh, all right, we got some news. Uh, let's get into the news, shall we? The Trojans over the last week have gotten really the last two weeks since we last spoke. Uh, the Trojans have gotten four new commitments, uh, four-star safety, um, Marquis Gallegos, four-star offensive lineman, Makai Saina, three-star corner, Braylon Conley, and three-star defensive lineman, uh, David Palipale. It is, continues, you know, continues really to be the summer of bodies, right? SC getting body after body after body after body in the 2024 recruiting class, the first of the Big Ten era. Uh, 17 total commitments for SC. The Trojans now rank fifth in the country uh, in the recruiting class for 2024, uh, just behind Georgia, Ohio State, Florida, and Michigan. Fifth in the country, third in the Big Ten. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's doing pretty darn well as far as recruiting goes at this stage. The momentum is definitely building. I think the the program overall momentum feels very strong and uh, the waves of recruits that we keep seeing commit over the summer sort of backs that up that USC is, is getting the guys that they want um, and, and adding some, you know, some talent to this roster, which is always good to see mm-hmm. um, continuing to add sort of big bodies too. you look at uh, 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 Saina and, and Pale Pale. Those are, those are offensive and defensive linemen positions that USC needs to continue to every single class be stocking up, bringing in guys who are adding size to that mix. And and you've got, you know, high school kids who are six, four, two ninety in Sina's case, uh, in a six foot three, 305 pounds in, in Pali Pali's case. Uh, that's great. Like you, <laughs> you can't be mad about those. You certainly can't be mad about those. Um, so yeah, keep them coming. Um, in terms of, of, of sort of size and ranking and, and what USC is lo- looking for, um, recruiting well out of state in particular, uh, sign in and Connolly are both from Texas. Um, Pali is from Pennsylvania. 
uh, and then uh, uh, Gallegos, Gallegos is, is from California. So it's a really nice mix, again, of national and local recruiting. And we're just seeing USC keep plugging the holes and, and keep climbing up that recruiting chart. And, you know, um, what was it last year? USC didn't, uh, well, th- this last class wasn't ranked particularly highly um, from a USC perspective. It was ranked seventh overall, which you know, in, in 2023 was good, better than 2021, but better than 2022, better than 2021. So again, momentum's moving up there, but being top five, um, being top five is, is big, especially when you, I mean, I guess the, the next sort of hurdle for, in terms of recruiting is concerned for USC is to, you know, snag a five-star or two. Um, you look at what Georgia and Ohio state, and Florida have done by, by getting, you know, multiple five stars. That's the only area where you want to see USC uh, sort of take some strides, but also you, you have 20, you know, bring in 20 plus kids every year. The guys that USC is bringing in right now are filling those roles. And now they have to just stay in line with the five star guys that they're pursuing. And we'll see how those go. Yeah. It's things are, Definitely coming together for SC. Uh, you talk about the five-star guys. Um, yeah, you want to have a bunch of five-stars at the top of your class, but you also just you want to have a bunch of solid players in there. And I think SC is sort of doing that with so many, a, a wealth of four-stars currently uh, in the class. They're, they're going to be in the mix next week for uh, Taylor Tatum, the number one running back in the country uh, at a Longview, Texas. Picking between SC and Oklahoma, um, two worlds different to programs. If we talk about Twitter, of course, mm-hmm. um, and he's going to be deciding next Monday. So we'll talk about him uh, next Monday, whether or not he picks the Trojans to be, uh, you know, sort of that anchor in, at the running back position. But yeah, the way everything is coming in the recruiting side of things um, looks good. And it continues to sort of look good uh, as it does for Lincoln Riley. Um one of the, the big gets in the 2023 class was Deuce Robinson, uh, the five-star tight end that SC got from Pinnacle High in Phoenix. Uh, he is currently one of the prospects in the um, baseball draft, the MLB draft, um, looking to get drafted there, but through the 10th round currently, undrafted so far. Yeah, that's a good thing for USC. Um, if he had gone on like the first day, so the, so the draft is weird. They're doing it over three days, um, and uh, and so, so sorry. Sunday was day one, Monday was day two, and then I think they're going to wrap things up on Tuesday. Um, they, if he had gone on day one, or even day two, I think there would have been a. a, a a not zero chance that he might decide to just go that route. Sure. Um, the fact that he's waiting for day three and may, may also just not get drafted at all means that, you know, that the arrows are pointing towards him coming, you know, coming to USC, fulfilling that football commitment, which is really, is really what matters from the USC perspective here. Like I get it. If he wants to play baseball, I'm not going to hold that against him or anything like that. But from the USC perspective, it's like him not, getting a really potentially lucrative um, draft slot mm-hmm. 
just, I mean, if you want to see him play football, then this is a good thing. Like, I'm sorry yeah. about, about the baseball thing, but this is a good thing for USC football in, in the long run. Yeah. Uh, 100%. And you, you look at the, the, in the MLB draft and usually the way it works is that guys who are, who are committed to colleges sometimes tend to go be an overslot pick. And because the way that the way the draft works, every position has a slotted value. Um, and then you're allowed I, the worst person to explain this in the world, but like you're allowed a certain amount of money that you can spend and you can sometimes pay more money um, to go over slots and your overslot guys are the ones that you're trying to really encourage to spur their, their college commitment. Right. And someone could have basically overdrafted, taken a reach on, on Deuce Robinson, drafted him early earlier to pay him more money. And that could have persuaded him to go pro. But at this point, doesn't look like that's going to be the case, like you said. So um, that bodes well for SC. We'll obviously see what happens with the baseball side of things when he gets on campus, plays baseball, and maybe he gets drafted that way uh, three years from now after spending three years in college. We'll see. We'll we'll see how all of that comes to be. Um, The other news to sort of touch on a a social media post from Eric Gentry. Alicia, you you wanted to to bring this one up because – this is something that we've been asked in, in the chat before uh, here live on YouTube. People have sort of always talked about this in the last year and it's Eric Gentry's size, his shape, all of that. And uh, he is, he tweeted out uh, on the ninth, which is Sunday, uh, a couple of pictures and it says, and stop asking if I gained weight, I gained 23 pounds since January with a crying laughing emoji. Yeah. <laughs> I uh I just think it's funny that he's he's addressing it in this way because clearly like he's just been asked over and over and over and over again. And yeah, one of the big I mean to be honest, one of the big questions that we have had when looking at this roster for next year, particularly at the linebacker spot, I think we all agree that it's fun to watch Eric Gentry play linebacker. Yeah. Like we all had fun watching him and it sucked when he got injured. And, and mm-hmm. that was uh, clearly, you know, uh, an issue for USC's defense overall. But at the same time, we've looked at his body at, at, at his size uh, and, and wondered if that was the right position for him. If, uh, if, if, it made sense for him to play linebacker. If he could sustain that role, did he need to move to somewhere? I mean, he sort of doesn't fit the mold. And so um, too tall, not thick enough. All, you know, all of these, these well, questions, he, even when he was playing, he looked like he, he just had the mold of, of anything. He doesn't like, fit the mold of anything. And that's the problem. Right. But, but, but at the same time, you'd watch him play and, you know, I think it was, it was pretty obvious. He had, you know, chicken legs and, and he did look like he was prone to getting overpowered at times. And it was certainly a major concern about his long-term future at, at an inside linebacker position. Um, if he was going to get exposed in, in, you know, run defense or, or in those sort of um, size questions uh, being able to, to hold up, uh, you know, 
uh, against against bigger guys that are trying to block him. Um, the fact that he says that he's added 23 pounds is kind of feels like a big deal. Last year, he played at, at 6'6", 200 pounds. Um, to put that into perspective, you know, tight end Jude, Jude Wolf, who, you know, you could expect Eric Gentry to have to go head to head with tight ends of similar size. Mm-hmm. Jude Wolf was 6'6", 245. Yeah. So like he's given, he's, you know, he's, he's 45 pounds lighter than the player sort of across the, the line of scrimmage at him. Mm-hmm. If we are doing simple math here and saying that he played at 200 pounds last year and in January we presume he was 200 pounds and then he's put on 23 pounds of, of weight, then maybe his play playing weight this year is going to be closer to 225. That certainly sounds like a, like a potential improvement, assuming he hasn't lost his speed along the way. Um, at the same time, like we don't know, he was injured. He might've lost weight and be starting from like 290. And so then he's going to show up and be like 210 or, you know, 215. We don't know exactly what he's going to show up to fall camp at, yeah. what he's going to be listed in the on the roster as. But I, it certainly doesn't hurt matters to hear that a dude has put on, that a linebacker has put on that kind of weight um, when he needed to put on that kind of weight. Yeah, like I'm, I'm of two minds here. One of them, yeah, I, I'm, I hear everything you're saying and I'm with you, like, you, you you don't want him to get pushed off the ball. You you want him to be able to uh, be physical and be able to have some wear and tear and all those things. At the same time, one of the frustrating bits of 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 football is this these preconceptions, which you know come from a you know come from sound logic. So I'm not saying that these are wrong, um, but these 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 preconceived conceptions of like what a linebacker looks like physically, how they are built, what a safety looks like, what a defensive end looks like and all these things, because we know Eric Gentry is a heck of a football player. Right. But when I say that he doesn't match what people have like earmarked to be the physical standards of all these different positions, like that sucks, right? Like he clearly is someone who is a, worthy football player of being on the field and all these things to be just limited to, you know, like, like it's, it's a limiting factor, right? Like, and it sucks when it, when it ends up sort of being something that can take away from people's careers. Um, You think of the guys who have been sort of tweeners uh, in the past, Deion Bailey, Sue Cravens, um, these guys who, you know, could could couldn't really find the right position for them. Like that that sucks that football ends up being that way. And you hope that Eric Gentry can find a place that can, you know, be this 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 uh this position where he thrives, not only in college, but uh in beyond uh as well. So uh we'll see what comes of that. Um obviously any good any news is good news for USC on the defensive front, uh, when you look at coming off of last year and all the struggles there, and especially with Eric Gentry out in the, in the second half of the season, uh, which was a huge, 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 huge red flag for USC. Uh, but let's talk about the uh, the defense a little bit more. Um, at large, the defense, the USC defense, all time, is our thoughts uh, when going into Mount Rockmore. 
Uh, Mount Rushmore has been an ongoing series we've been putting together this offseason where we talk about the Mount Rushmore of a certain thing in USC football history or whatever it is uh, that we're going to discuss on the pod. We're doing defensive players, Alicia. The Mount Rushmore of USC defensive players. What are your thoughts? Where do you start? It was hard enough picking them out right, more of like wide receivers. And that was one mm-hmm. position on offense. Um, I think this one's going to be a lot harder. I think this is extremely difficult to pare down the wealth of USC history on the defensive side of the ball to mm-hmm. just four players. Yeah. Um, it, it just every, every group of four I think about feels like I'm still leaving people off and, and I don't, I just think it's really, really tough. You and I, before we started talking, we haven't discussed any names or anything like that, but we had both said that like immediately one or two guys come to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even three of the four are just locked in stone and there's no, uh, I don't, and there's maybe no debate on that front. Mm. Um, but I, I'm curious if we are thinking of the same people when we're talking about that. I, okay. So I think there's a name that has to be 100% here, and it's Ronnie Lott. Yes. College Football Hall of Famer. Ronnie Lott is... is Pro Football Hall of Famer. Um, Pac-12, all-century team, all those things, right? Like, Ronnie Lott is that guy. He thoroughly belongs. Like, he is all everything, everything, right? Yes. All-American 1980. Like, he is the guy he's when you think about the all-time greatest safeties in the history of the game ronnie lott is the first thing that comes up yes like in the history of the game not just sc he's he's transcends nfl college all of those all of the above yeah and we talked about it with receivers uh about lynn swan and lynn swan being that guy for the receivers but the difference is with the receiver like lynn swan is has the the celebrity of Ronnie Lott, but Ronnie Lott has even more of that celebrity side of it. But also no, like nobody is thinking that Lynn Swan is the greatest receiver of all time. Yeah. Because the game has changed, changed so much, right? Like, yeah. Uh, at the time you could have thought that in the seventies when he's making that catch against the, uh, against the Cowboys at the orange bowl, like, yeah, you could you could have said that in the seventies, but with Ronnie Lott, like people are still saying that he could be the greatest defensive player ever today. Like, yeah. and so that you can say that that everyone knows um, knows Ronnie Lott is that he's just that ubiquitous. Like, you have to include him here. You have to. He's like he's a no brainer. He's here. Yes, Ronnie. Uh, like I, I think that Ronnie Lott is absolutely not a question. Yeah, Malcolm He's in the chat the says, Mount- says no one, no one thinks Swan is in Lott's tier. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Lott is Swan on a tier is- that's above everybody else. When we discussed Lynn Swan, it, yeah, that was about taking historical context and all of that kind of stuff into account, and sort of trying to right. to understand the the, the changing tenor of the game and all of that, like all of those kinds of things where it's all about context. You don't need context for Ronnie Lott. Ronnie Lott exactly. just is the goat. Uh, when, when we're His discussing. legacy has not changed. No, no. Um, I think that uh, the 
others that we discuss will need context. See, I'm NFL questions, cultural questions, uh, sort of fame and 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 value and all of those kinds of things where that gets a little bit more tricky. Yes. When we talk about rounding it out to four. Yes. Yes. When we're talking about who the other obvious guy is. No, it's Troy Polamalu. Yes. USC Glenn in the chat says no one has mentioned Troy Polamalu. Well, we were about to. him here. He is the other guy. Ronnie Lott thoroughly in here already put him in stone. He's on, he's on the Mount Rotmore. And so should Troy Polamalu. What I like College about- Football Hall of Famer, Pro Football Hall of Famer, Pac-12 All-Century guy, like All-American. He's He is the modern equivalent. You talk about the yeah. one of the best football players in the last 20 years. He's on everybody's list. Yes. And I think that's what, uh, what I kind of like about the balance between talking about the first two guys that we discuss on this on this route more being Ronnie Lawton and Troy Palomalu is they are of different eras, but of di- yes. but of uh, but of similar stature. Hundred percent. Um, Troy, it like in in my sort of lifetime of viewing football, of of knowing football, of seeing things with my own eyes, like Troy Palomalu is that guy. Um, the incredible mm-hmm. thing about Troy Palomalu is that to me, it felt like he transcended position. Um, yes. Yeah. Well, we just, were just talking about tweeners, right? Yeah. Like, he's someone who could have played linebacker. He, he, like in a lot of ways, you could argue he was a linebacker playing safety, right? Yeah, well, he played the, the position at the line of scrimmage with that kind of, of, mm-hmm. of sort of approach and ferocity. Um, iconicness sort of also comes into play with Troy because uh, the hair, the mystique, the sort of the, the, the dichotomy between the way that he played on the field and then like seeing him in interviews and how soft-spoken he is and sort of that, that back and forth, like all of that is just, it is, it, Troy is iconic. Troy Palomalu is iconic. You can't yes. not have him on the, the Mount Rushmore of USC defenders because of it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think there's, there's now a discussion in the, in the chat about like junior Seau. junior Seau is one of those guys who I think is a little bit more complicated because there's a level of mystique to junior Seau. There's a letter level of like iconicness to junior Seau that, that is a little bit harder to place within sort of USC lore, because like, if not for the 55 of it all, where would, where would like, is junior, is junior in this, in this Rushmore because of 55? And if you took that away, um, where does he land? I, I, I think it gets a little bit more complicated than with Troy Palomalo, who I think, um, is just cut and dry to me, at least. I don't know if you sort of agree with my, assessment there or not uh, well so i'm a i like to talk about the difference between best and greatest because there's two different things right like you can have someone who's the best and you can have someone who's the greatest they don't have to be the same thing right like everyone says that uh that the not ever i guess not everyone but most, a lot of people agree on whatever Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time, right? Yeah. That doesn't make him the best. Doesn't make him the best. And yeah. why does it not make him the best? Because to me, the best is 
a one game scenario, a one season thing, who are you going to have? That's your best guy. Like that's your peak of the powers guy. Doesn't necessarily make you the greatest. Greatest is your legacy, everything that you've accomplished, the the long-term longevity, all of those things. And I I think you have to look at this when, when you're talking about USC. Yes. Multiple seasons of greatness, I think helps here. Um, Malcolm in the chat says that junior doesn't have the production because he only had one year. I would argue it doesn't matter because you look at junior say, let's talk about him. He had peak of his powers, probably the greatest one single season in the history of USC football on defense, 27 tackles for loss. He had like a billion sacks, like at the same time that he was playing with the defense that had Tim Ryan, a two time all American on the defensive line in front of him. He was incredible. He, he is all over USC's record books to this day. Um, and then turns around and his, he was so, he was such an iconic player that his number then became a thing that was passed down over and over and over again. Uh, and we've talked about this before that it sucks that um, the unfortunate uh, loss of, of, of junior has sort of, taken away a lot of the ability for SC to bestow the 55 on everybody else because of this fear that they could, you know, not live up to, to the mystique uh, of junior Seau. But the whole thing about the number 55 is that he gave it to, he, he gave it to Willie McGinnis and then Millie, Willie McGinnis handed it on and he just kept getting handed on to someone who could live up to the hype. And some didn't and some did. And like, that was the whole point of the thing. Um, and to be able to start that tradition, I think is absolutely a quality that you want of someone on your Mount Rushmore. And so we, we can look at, at all the accolades and no, uh, junior say currently not in the college football hall of fame. Um, he didn't win an award. He didn't win the bid He didn't win, uh, the butt kiss, uh, or any of those things but he was an all American. He was PAC 12, all century team, uh, pro football hall of famer. And I think when you talk about iconic players in USC football history, he's one of the top two or three guys that people mention. Mm-hmm. You look, well, you look at jerseys that you see at games to this day. It's Reggie. And it's the 55. And the, why is the 55 there? Because of the, of, of what, say I was able to start. I think he has to be on this thing. I, when we were talking about the three obvious and like that, that when we were having that discussion, my immediate reaction, when we said we're going to do a rush more of all time, USC defenders, mm-hmm. my immediate reaction was Ronnie Lott, Troy Palomalu, junior say. Yeah, that was, it was, it was like a, why even do it? Because it's just those three guys. And then we just have to debate the last one. And that's going to be painful and all of that kind of stuff. So I 100% agree with you. Um, looking through some of the numbers, I'm now, I, I have, I have two thoughts. Number one, is he eligible for the hall of fame for the college football hall of fame? Because the hall of fame has stupid rules about being selected by a correct all. You have to be an all American and you have to be, have been selected by, um, uh, one of the approved selectors. And I can't remember if sporting news is 
Sporting News is one of the five, but I think... Okay, the, then do, he... Do you not have to be consensus or whatever? I the, think you just have to have one. You don't have to be consensus or unanimous or anything like that. You just have to have one of the major selectors well, select you. But but I was even looking at, like, that the, how was he not an All-American? Like a, con, like a consensus All-American? And uh, well, it's wild, but yeah. Um, it... He he is on the wall. He was listed as as an All American by uh, one outlet, according to to the USA Media Guide. It, but it's one of those things where I this is what is frustrating about the College Football Hall of Fame. We've discussed it before of these little rules. Like Pete Carroll yeah. is ineligible for the College Football Hall of Fame because you only coach nine years and you need ten. Like it, it's it's ridiculous, right? Like. It's ridiculous that these things sort of exist that way. Um, and we've talked about it before that, you know, going on, you know, decades from now when, when kids who were like us, when, when we were growing up and reading the USC media guys, cause we were nerds um, and learning about players. One of the ra- ways you learn about players is by seeing their picture in the media guide. You get a picture in the media guide when you win an award, when you, when you do, this thing or that thing that is exceptional from everybody else. And there's some guys who just don't get those accolades and then they end up sort of being lost. One of those guys is Stuart Cravens. Mm-hmm. Stuart Cravens never an all American because he was like a third team all American, like two, two times. Right. Like yeah. that sucks because he didn't get on the wall. He didn't get on the all American wall. And like, you, you can't talk about him going forward in the same way as the other guys, even if he was so damn good that he belongs in a lot of these sort of discussions. He also played on a team that wasn't as good as the other teams that, w- that have been played. Right. Like, yeah. And, and so it, it makes it difficult to, uh, to put those things in, in perspective there. Yes. A uh, huge shout out to Alex in the chat. Yeah. Alex, my dude. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers to you. Uh, Thank you. Appreciate that. A, a big, a big shout out for the, uh, for the old super chat or yeah. whatever. I was going to ask, is that, is it? that a super chat or does, I, I don't know what, what, what it's called. It's called, thank you. It's called the big O thumbs up. It's called Alex is the best. <laughs> we love you, Alex. You're the no- number one robot, uh, declared. <laughs> there you go. Um, uh, but yeah, yes, I, I agree. Is, is Alex on the, the Mount Rottmore now? I is, think Alex so. is on yeah. the Mount Rottmore. No, one thing I'd wanted to point out too is that the thing is, again, we, we mentioned this with the wide receivers, we're not naming the top five USC defenders of all time. We're not doing a list of one, two, three, four, five. Right. We're doing a Rottmore, which the four presidents who appear on Mount Rushmore are not are not the greatest presidents in the history of of of, of America. Like that's that's I, I I don't view it as as that. I think there's sort of historical significance that comes into play um, for different things. So in that sense, I think that Junior Seau historically is significant to the history of USC football on the defensive well, side of the ball. You, you know what it is? I, I think the the idea of the Mount Rushmore is like these are the guys you send to the aliens to, yeah. to, to tell them about. <laughs> about yeah. USC defenders, right? Like who are the, who are the four guys that you want to send to the aliens to show that like, these are what SC is about, right? Ronnie Lott, Troy Polamalu and Junior Seau are on that list. Like they just are. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you could make the case for someone like Sua Cravens being, or, you know, like 
like Taylor Mays or, or one of those guys being like more athletic or more, um, you know, individually gifted or, sure. um, you know, any, any of those things, but it, it doesn't sort of also, it doesn't necessarily come, come down to that. Yeah. Um, so that's this, this stuff is sort of all encompassing that way. Right. But if we agree, and this is where, the, this is, this is where I was like, if I have to make room mm-hmm. for somebody, when we're talking, we agree on three, Ronnie Lott, Troy Palomalo, Junior Seo, uh, you only have room for one more. And that one more, I think, is impossible to fill because now you're talking, you know, uh, Malcolm in the chat said, you know, Chris Claiborne was a better linebacker than Junior Seo at USC. That that might, you know, I I, I think you can certainly make that argument. Um we could say that Leonard Williams was a, was, you know, if, if you're not going to have representation from the defensive line, um, then you're also not telling the story of, of the USC defense to the aliens for, for, right. for what it's worth. Um, when you're talking about like guys, like, like I think that Talano Hafanga in 10 years, it's entirely possible. We talk about Talano the way we talk about Troy Palomalo. Like, well, I, I, I mean, the interesting thing there, like, yeah, it's possible given that his NFL career started off pretty damn well, right? But yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's telling when you have a player and then you end up comparing them to them, um, because that's what we've sort of done with, you know, you look at the wide receivers, everyone gets compared to, all the big dudes get compared to Mike Williams, um, all of the pass catching speed guys get compared to Robert Woods and Marquise Lee, which inherently means that those are your Rushmore types, right? Like those are the guys that you were sort of looking up to, to be the bastion of like uh, what the, the standard is right for, for what you want out of your receivers. And it's kind of like what the Mount Rushmore thing is. And so yeah, when, when you when you look at it th- that way, we might end up talking about you know ten years from now instead of using Troy Polamalu as the measuring stick, we use Talanoa Hufanga. Maybe, I, but also when we were talking about Hufanga, we were measuring him against Troy Polamalu. Like that's just how it is. So when we talk about the the final spot, I wanna I wanna throw some name. I wanna throw all the names that out here that I wrote down as potential discussion points. Okay. So there's only one other college football hall of famer that we could talk about. That's Richard Wood, USC's first three-time All-American. The only reason he wasn't a four-time All-American is because he wasn't allowed to play college football as a true freshman because he was unfortunately uh, the first, the the last class ever that was that had banned freshmen in, uh, in 1971. So. Uh, bummer for for uh, for Richard Wood, I, and I think Richard uh, Batman Wood, by yes. the way, um, would be a fine fourth. I, I, if yes. you're talking about just pure, okay, if you're going to say like the problem for Seau is a, it's one season. Mm-hmm. Um, Can't Richard, say that about Richard Batman Wood was yeah. amazing from the moment he stepped on foot. Yeah, uh, stepped stepped foot on USC's campus. Leader to two, the moment he left teams. it. Um, yes, won championships, won individual awards, team awards, et cetera. Like, I, I think that you can absolutely declare Richard Wood the most 
decorated, one of the four certainly most decorated um, captain on on national championship teams, by the way, mm-hmm. um, uh, defenders that USC has, has ever had. Uh, I I think that I will uh, I would make a case that that Richard Wood almost has to be on this list because of that because he just he. He's he he had too much success. Right. He had too much success Condo. the entire way through. Here's, he, here's he was the, the first three-time All-American at USC. He was. There's only three of them. And there's only three of them. We'll and, talk about another one in a couple minutes. Yes, I, I like. I think it's hard to leave him off. I, is I what agree. I would say. Here's the con. Again, when we talk about the Mount Rushmore, I think these guys have to be widely known. And yeah. th- this, He's I, not I iconic. think if you're a diehard USC fan, you know, Batman would do the kids today know who Richard Batman Wood is. No, Absolutely I don't think not. they do. And I think that, that that's a shame. The only reason I know about it him sucks. is because I'm a history nerd who researches all of this kind of stuff and has spent the last two decades writing about right. players at USC and, yeah. and, and all of that. So I, I think if, if you're someone who played 50 years ago, you have to be, you have to have this iconic like timeless quality to you. And unfortunately I don't think Richard Wood has that in comparison to say Ronnie Lott. Yeah. Uh, and part of that is because of the NFL success. And, and similar I understand eras, that that's so. completely unfair when we're talking about the USC side of things. Yeah. Um, but, but when we're talking about like the guys that SC will paint a picture of on, on a mural, they're going to be painting Ronnie Lott before they paint Richard Wood. Yes. Um, guys are on the pump. Um, Pac-12 All-Century team to, to mention. We talked about um, Willie McGinnis. He's someone who could be talked about there. Chris Claiborne, the 1998 Butkus Award winner. Joey Browner. Mark Carrier, the 1988 Thorpe winner. Uh, and Leonard Williams, who, for my money, is the greatest USC defensive lineman of all time. Um, I... Okay. Um... Leonard Williams is the most impressive defensive lineman that I have ever seen. And before him, it was Cedric Ellis. And that's what I like the, the issue, the thing about Leonard Williams is again, he falls into a difficulty because like if he had played on those Pete Carroll teams, uh, we would, he, he would probably be perceived differently. Um, Cedric Ellis was, you know, a defensive player of the year, two time Morris award winner. Like, I think Cedric Ellis more decorated certainly mm-hmm. than Leonard Williams, but I watched both of them play. And um, so I can say at least to my point uh, to, in my opinion, no defensive lineman that I have seen play football at USC has been more impressive on an individual level than Leonard Williams was. You, you, you know, you talk about the, the um, Hufanga thing and how like maybe Hufanga becomes the measuring stick. Yeah. I think th- Leonard Williams is is the perfect example of it was Cedric Ellis. Cedric Ellis was the guy where everyone after him was going to be judged by him. And then Leonard Williams came and you're like, he's surpassed. He he has surpassed um, Cedric Ellis. So now he is the measuring stick. Yeah. Um, And it's also wild to me that SC has had all these Hall of Famers, all these All-Americans and all this stuff. And Leonard Williams is like, it just, it seems like recency bias, but when you look at all the great uh, defensive linemen in USC history, Leonard Williams is the guy, like he just is the guy. Um, But Joey Browner, I, I, 
I wouldn't argue to be on Mount Rushmore. Mark no. Carrier, I think, could be. Uh, he won the Thorpe. Chris Claiborne won the Buckus, like we talked about, could be there. Other award winners to discuss, Georgia Chica won the Morris in 82. Uh, the late Daryl Russell won the Morris in 96. Uh, Ray Maluga won the Big Narek and was the Pac-10 Defensive Player of the Year in 2008 uh, on one of the greatest USC defenses of all time in 2008. Uh, Dory Jackson, one of the all-time greatest Trojans ever, uh, the 2016 Thorpe Award winner. Uh, and then we talked about Hufanga, who is the 2020 Polynesian College Football Player of the Year in 2020 and the 2020 Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, and again, uh, I think a lot of these guys get into the difficulty of judging eras. Um, you know, you, you talk about like, I think Cedric Ellis is more ex accessible to me because I watched him play, but sure. I've read about Daryl Russell and how, uh, what a monster he was um, mm -hmm. on the defensive line. Um, uh, uh, you know, I saw Adore Jackson with my own eyes, um, arguably the greatest I, athlete. Here's, here's <laughs> the problem with Adore. Adore, he's, he's not, not a defender on a defensive no. thing because he was too good at everything. And I think that he's one of those players who was so good at everything that like, I don't think being a defender was his ultimate forte. Yeah. And that's not a knock on him. No, it's just that he was so good at everything else. Like, I don't think defensive Mount Rottenmore is where you put him. It's also tough with corners and, and then all the, yeah, but I agree. I don't think he's, I don't think he goes on this rot more, rot more. I think he right. might go on a different, if we, if we framed it differently. Um, Can we talk about Maluga? Uh, Maluga though, well, because... there was some debate in the chat about Maluga and I, and I think it's all very fair. Um, he, won a national award. He was absolutely dominant on a dominant USC defense. Um, I think that, you know, Kenny in the chat said that the official Mount Rushmore website says that it's the four represented uh, the most important events in the history of the U S. And so if, if, if sort of we take it again, going back to these aren't the best presidents, these are just like historically important presidents. Right. Um, I think that there is an argument to say there needs to be a representative from the 2008 defense. I think that's a fair thing to that's, say. That's fair. Um, I personally wouldn't go that direction because I think the 2008 defense was the whole, um, the greatest USC defense that I've ever seen in, in, in with my own two eyes. Um, and you know, Ray Maluga was, was, you know, linchpin on that defense, but also I think to a man, every single player on that defense was yeah, special like, and elite. And I don't know that Ray Maluga was so much better than anybody else on that defense. Like I, and, and this isn't, this isn't a knock on Ray Maluga. No, but like, great player, but I was like, you could have given the, all those accolades that he got to Brian Cushing. Yes. You could have given all those accolades that he got. I mean, to to Taylor Mays, you could have given them Kevin all Ellison, to Cedric Clay Ellis, Matthews. who was yeah. you know not on that 2018, but on the the two was years the before. Lead up, yeah, and so was Keith Rivers, and like I don't was, know, like I, I was Jarrell Casey before after Cedric after, Ellis, so after. so Jarrell Casey was on that. Yeah, uh, this is yeah, the, I I I think that there's an there's definitely an argument to have Ray Maluga there. I don't think that he's the argument that I would make. Yeah. But I understand why people would. 
Um, other guys who did not win I, awards. I have one thing to say. One okay. more thing to say about the group of one of people that we just talked about. Mm-hmm. And we've already talked about him, but Talano Hafanga. I I think that Hafanga to me is the is the 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 other side of the coin, uh, or is running in parallel to my perception of Drake London. Yeah. Um, it is very hard to pick their place in USC history because of the 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 um, the Helton of it all, the injuries of it all, the sort of uh, just the the era that they played in. Mm-hmm. But if we're talking about like Ray Luga and that 2008 defense being just everybody really good, and so how how do you elevate Ray Luga above the rest necessarily? Like, I think that. Talano Hafanga on a, a different level of uh, of pure individual achievement, it, it really can't be beat. Uh, that's that's sort of my perspective on on Talano Hafanga, and I I don't like having to factor in NFL success into the way that we judge players, but I really want Talano Hafanga to have a very rich. NFL career so that right. he doesn't end. Cause I think this is the, the Sua well, Cravens of it all. I, Sua's bound to be lost to the annals of history because his NFL career didn't, didn't help keep him afloat, his name afloat in terms of uh, uh, importance at USC. Yeah. Like I, it, it's to me, it's not about the NFL career, like being what puts you over because of like, it's not that you need to be good in, in the, in the NFL. I think, Having a lasting legacy uh, is the thing. And the NFL career is what allows those legacies to continue, right? Because if Ronnie Lott was a nobody, unfortunately, uh, this sucks to say, but if he was a nobody in the NFL, like he probably isn't on the Mount Rushmore. Um, uh, Troy Palomalo, same thing. I, I, I think that Troy um, isn't seen the same way. He He's more in that, in, in, in that group of like, these guys won awards and were all Americans level, right. but but not like you um, it's it's the it's the sucky side of these things but yeah. it's just it's just the way that it is unfortunately whereas like richard woods richard woods usc career stands on its own but without that nfl that that sort of like hall nfl hall of fame legacy mm-hmm. um which i don't think richard richard wood had a bad nfl career but he's not in the hall of fame that's the thing um and when when you're on a when you were trying to, yeah, to just, split hairs about the legacy of, of players, it unfortunately helps that Ronnie Lott and Junior say how we're in the hall of fame. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that, that's um, because it allows these, it allows kids these days to know who they are. And I yeah. think that um, I think that's another reason about the, about the Mount Rushmore, right? Like, like going back to what Kenny was talking about, about the Mount Rushmore, the important times in history, but also, the the presidents on on the Mount Rushmore, you all know because yes, they were presidents or important times in history, but you all know things that they did. Millard Fillmore is not on the Mount Rushmore. You know what I mean? Like yeah, he James Monroe did a lot of things. We can argue about good or bad. Is that's a whole different <laughs> podcast? But like he did a lot of things. He's not on the Mount Rushmore. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like um, that's that's just the. Uh, okay, other other notable players to to talk about on defense really quick. Mike McKeever, All American, nineteen fifty nine. Uh, Damon Bain, two time All American at linebacker in the sixties. Adrian Young, 
an All-American on the 1967 team uh, that won the national title. Uh, Dennis Thurman, two-time All-American in the mid-70s. Tim McDonald, two-time All-American in the mid-80s. Tim Ryan played with Junior Seau and was a two-time All-American. He put up crazy numbers. We talk about the production that Junior Seau did. Tim Ryan. He led the team in tackles for loss over Junior Seau, which is nuts. Um, Matt Grudegert, All-American 2004, one of the greatest players that I've ever seen in my life play. Um, there was a message in the chat from Tim in LA that says Matt Grudiger needs his flowers. Leinert said he's the best high school player he ever saw. I went to a rival and I agree. He was a great, great Trojan. Thoroughly agree. Yeah. He deserves a shout in this um, tenfold. And luckily, unlike Stuart Cravens, he was named an All-American and we get the, he's imprinted, he's right? And, like yeah. he's on the wall. Like he, he will be remembered for generations to, be, to come because of that. Right. Yeah. Taylor Mays. The three-time All-American, the only other defender along with uh, Richard Batman Wood to be a three-time All-American. Uh, the other guy on offense is Sam Baker, uh, who did it at the same time that Taylor Woods, uh, Taylor Woods, Taylor Taylor Mace yeah. uh, did it. And then Sir Cravens, um, who we talked about, who third-team All-American. Um, Which it, is why, I mean, just, it, think, just it think about because how arbitrary this, this crap is. Jack Jones was the third-team All-American. Right. It, it's not the same. Like it's it's not the same. I I, I don't no. want to like romanticize the 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 sua of it all, but he was that level of of outstanding for USC. Um, yes. Just uh, he yeah he like Talanoa like a few other guys. He he he's one of those guys where uh, you put him on any good USC defense, and he is the best player on that defense. So yeah 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 hundred percent. Okay so. Uh, we we gotta just pick a dude. So it's it's Ronnie Lott, it's Troy Polamalu, it's Junior Seau. Who's the other guy? Uh, is it McGinnis? Is it Claiborne? Is it Carrier? I've got one thing to say. Uh, Mike McKee, Mike McKeever, uh, John McKay called him the best defender that he had ever coached at USC. So like that's some really high praise for for Mike McKeever, who um, is one of the. I mean, like the Mike McKeever's story is really sad uh, because he was he and his brother were both uh, all Americans at USC mm-hmm. had had great great um uh potential as as football players and he tragically um had blood clots that ended his career in college and uh he was so good at usc that he got drafted into the nfl despite his career being ended by those blood clots and 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 the need to have surgery and all that kind of stuff Uh, a team drafted him just in case he got cleared um, because they thought he's so good that like, if he happens to, to be able to play football, we want to have the rights to him. Um, and then sadly he passed in a, in a car crash, but, um, you know, one of the, one of the bigger what ifs of, of the sort of all time greats that USC has had, um, is, is Mike McKeever. But, um, just to share that as the resident USC historian, um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, he's, he's someone that needs a shout here. I talked about Adrian Young. Adrian Young has the USC record for interceptions in a game yeah. uh, for the linebacker spot. So like, um, he's someone that, that, that could be here. There, there's so many. And he did that against Notre Dame, right? Against, yeah, your, your, your alma mater yeah. in 67. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, this is, this is difficult. I have a, I have an answer. Okay. What are you doing? I, I think. I think the his, I think the answer, the correct answer in my view, 
Okay. Is Ronnie Lott, Troy Palomalu, Junior Seo, and Richard Wood. My personal, as a kid born in 1989 who didn't start watching football until, you know, 2002 at the earliest, mm-hmm. um, it's Ronnie Lott, Troy Palomalu, Junior Seau, and Leonard Williams. And that is just because I am using Leonard Williams as the representative of all of the great, as the greatest of the great individual Trojans who were dominant on their day at USC, who didn't have the fortune of playing on a really, really good USC football team that was competing for national titles. I think that's valid to the point that I'm, I think that's where I am. And I know that some people might not like that. Yeah. He didn't win a a Rose bowl and he didn't do those kind of things, but I don't think it was for lack of trying. No. In but- Leonard Williams's case and in a few others, I will go to my grave saying that if you put him on, if you put Leonard Williams on the 2008 USC defense, I still think he is the best player on that football field. I agree. I agree. And, and that 2008 defense, by the way, like Ray Maluga is the, the only name here. Maluga and Taylor Mays are the only name here that I have listed in all the names that we could discuss, but. Brian Cushing deserves a shout. My favorite player on that defense, Kevin Ellison. Good deser- old Kel- Kevin Ellison. De- deserves a shout. Rest yeah. in peace. Like, there was a bunch of dudes. Kevin Ellison, who Kevin Ellison single handedly undercuts Taylor May's greatness in my eyes. Yes. Taylor May's on paper is one of the greatest USC players to ever play football. The problem is that I watch those teams and I know that if I had handed out an All-American vote, Kevin Ellison would have gotten it. Yeah, I, Kevin Ellison was the dude. <laughs> Kevin, Ke- Kevin Ellison allowed Taylor Mays to be the star on that defense. Yeah. Um, and you kind of really saw it in 2009 when Taylor Mays was sort of the only guy left on that defense. Yeah. Um, but I I am going to go with you and 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 – Go with Leonard Williams for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think that it should be representation on the defensive line. Number two, I think it's hard to pick any of the other 55s because I think that as much as we can say that Claiborne and Willie yeah, McGinnis Seo's, and, and, and it works and, as a re- representative of the 55. That's he what just, I'm saying. Yeah. Another one. Yeah. I'm saying another one. Yeah. And Keith Rivers, like you can, you can put all those guys in here. But I, I like the idea of like different eras and different things. You've got the you've got the the seventies covered with with the uh, with with well with Ronnie Lott. We've got it. We've got a Pete Carroll. We've got a Pete Carroll. Paul Mahler. We've got a modern post Pete Carroll. Uh, and, and Leonard we, Williams. And we've got uh, Seo. We got Junior Seo, who's the who's the guy we grew up watching, the guy everyone remembers, and he started his own legacy number. Yeah. Um, and then you have Ronnie Lott, who is just the greatest defensive player in SC history in terms of status, right? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. yes. So, I I think that all four of those dudes, you you can't you can't go wrong. Um, Malcolm in the chat says that Claiborne better than Leonard Williams. Sure, I don't That's, I don't necessarily disagree. Different positions, but also the Mount Rushmore isn't about the best. Yeah. So it's not about just yeah. just the best. Um, and I preface the Leonard Williams thing with like. Leonard Williams was in my heyday of 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 sort of watching, understanding, yeah. comprehending football. 
Uh, all right, let's get to the mailbag really quick, and then we'll wrap this thing up. Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Price Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today. Use the code Rain of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Price Picks app with the code Rain of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more. Pick less. It's that easy. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hey, Hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You've got mail. All right. Um, we got a question from Ram and Marty. Any thoughts on the Northwestern scandal? Uh, the, the news today that um, uh, Pat Fitzgerald um, removed his head coach over at uh, – soon-to-be conference rival Northwestern mm-hmm. uh, amid a bunch of scandals about general horrendous toxicity within the program, uh, allegations of hazing, racism, favoritism, all those isms. Yeah. Um, my thoughts are this. Number one, hazing is bad. It is always bad, especially when it's weirdly sexualized um i don't get it i I am an extremely empathetic person Mm -hmm. you might say at times overly empathetic sure um but i would rather be the kind of empathetic person who cannot fathom the idea of 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 participating in hazing it's it's ridiculous. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't see the team building aspect to it. I don't see the. I don't see the interpersonal relationship. All I see is 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 abuse and hazing is just a really is just a a, a word we use to 
maybe try to come to terms with what is essentially abuse. Yeah. Um, There's no way around that to me. Um, So that sucks. And it sucks that anyone gets put through that. And I know that this goes on beyond Northwestern. We've seen this at many, many other places. I know, I'm sure it goes on um, currently in, in other places. And that sucks because to me, uh, I can't, I can't fathom participating in it to be, to be, to be honest, to be perfectly honest. So um, it's not that I don't understand why people engage in it. I just can't fathom putting right. aside the humanity of another person to the degree that would allow you to, even in a, in a humorous approach to it. Right. I, 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 I will be shorter here. I don't think we need to talk about this stuff in the sense of this stuff is awful. That's it's all bad. we need to say. Like, yeah. it's awful. Like yeah. it's horrendous. And anyone like tied to those allegations um, it's got to go. Like, it's just, there's zero tolerance. I don't, yeah. like, I don't, I don't think we need to like, Northwestern could this. not, like it's, it's, it was horrible. No. And if those things are, and if, and it's they, I thought Northwestern handled this perfectly. They'd suspended him. They did their investigation. They found out 11 players. Well, they, uh, like, uh, okay. Northwestern did it out of order a little bit. They, sure. But I'm talking they did about an like, investigation. They suspended him and then people found out more about what was going on. And then they were like, Oh wait, people well, they, are really mad about this. Well, they, I mean, they, 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 but I, at least they did the, I'm talking about reconsider. like just in, in the most macro sense possible. Right. Like there, he is, he's gone. He couldn't, he couldn't go another day with, with the school newspaper continuing to, to break all these things. And so all of them are vile. And if your investigation has 11 different players corroborating the thing, game over, it's done. Um, The football side of things for, for Northwestern sucks too, because what are they supposed to do? Well, Pete Thamel from, wherever he is ESPN now um, tweeted out uh, while we're recording that they're expected to name defensive coordinator, David Braun is the acting coach. Braun came to Northwestern in January from North Dakota state. Um, if he's not tied to everything else, good, but I think it's very difficult to make an internal like interim promotion when you have internal toxicity, right? Like that's very difficult, especially with all the all the teams in college football three weeks away from the start of camp. Like it's yeah, a, it, it's also a coaching staff that oversaw one and eleven season last year. So it's not like you're going to have a lot of yeah. inspiration about hiring about interim bring, promoting one of the offensive or defensive coordinator in that situation. It's a terrible situation for literally everybody involved, from the human perspective to the football perspective. Um, it sucks, and uh, but also it was necessary. I'm sorry. Don't don't encourage that kind of behavior to, to no. don't encourage or even look the other way from that kind of behavior. Either way, right. that's not befitting a major. And it it sucks coach. when it's Pat Fitzgerald, someone that we all put on a pedestal and thought yeah. he was a great coach yeah. and a great person and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, but so. in, inaction is the easiest sin. It's the one. It's why I believe that. Yeah. That these that things have gone down the way that they did because I think that we are all capable of that, and it's a good reminder too that. Um, inaction doesn't absolve you of, 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 you know, 
not living up to expect uh, to your own sort of personal moral expectations. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, Glenn says, which big 10 away game in 2024 do we most want to attend? We talked about this a couple weeks ago. It's Penn state. Penn state. Penn yeah. state's the big one. Um, we, we got a couple messages from LA Fred. Uh, th- these are so good that I don't want to not give them enough time. So we're going to, there's three of them. We're going to go on. We're going to use one and save the rest okay. for next week. Cause I want to put a lot of time into this. Okay. Uh, LA Fred says, what talent do you wish you had been born with that you weren't? I wish I was musically gifted. Hmm. Uh, whether that, okay. whether I, I really, I wish that I could sing now part of me suspects because my mom can sing um is is it's just like a training situation issue for me like i can't keep a tune i really wish i could because i love just hit a tuning fork and like i I, if i could play the guitar or play the piano and sing play the violin play the fiddle play something and sing i all of those things because i love music i how good are we love music i sing along in the car and feel bad because I don't want to disrupt other people's enjoyment of the music, but I love to sing and I love to experience music. And I think it, I think part of me wishes that I could create music as well, but I, I've just never, I, I don't think I have that talent. So. Well, do you want the talent to be in a band or do you want the talent just to enjoy? No, I want to be a musician. No, you, okay. You, you look at freaking, there's people out there who are just musicians. Every little, th- like the, the instruments singing anything songwriting all of it they do it all and like i wish i was one of those people uh what talent do i wish i had been born with um the ability to i know this is lame but the ability to throw a hundred mile an hour fastball (laughs) yeah i mean that would be like it's not that difficult would be nice yeah that's what i want um if that that would have that would have certainly changed things in in life um yeah 100 percent. the the have that would have would have been everything <laughs> the talent to be able to focus on a task um without uh <laughs> the i don't know the talent the, the the there's a lot of talents that i wish the I, talent I had to not procrastinate the, in life. The, yeah the talent to not be a procrastinator the talent to not be anxious about everything <laughs> the talent to be able to wash the dishes on a daily basis and not have the sink fill up Oh, man. Whatever, whatever, whatever goes into that would be, yeah. Wouldn't it be awesome to be like a type A? Wouldn't it be awesome to be like clean, like to be a clean freak, to like insist on everything being clean instead of just like being anxious about things not being clean all the time, but like somebody who actually would just go out and actually clean things and and not have it be like like nails on a chalkboard to to, to be uh, doing it. We, yeah. we have a we have a guest, the current guest yeah. in the pod. Um, <laughs> somebody's ready to go outside it's yeah uh if you're listening at home Je- jesse our, our uh our, our dog joins us in in the uh studio now and um first of all she was chewing on a bone earlier yeah take that away uh secondly now she is thoroughly vocalizing that it's dinner time and uh downtime so that's the end of the pod i think it's time to go deal with our special guest yes all right, guys, we'll be back next week. Again, it is the it will be the first episode of the new season. Uh, it's going to be the off-season recap to talk about, really set the stage for what's going down uh, in 2023. So uh, we will be back with you guys next week. We're super pumped for it. Uh, as always, if you've made it this far, make sure you do like the stream uh, and subscribe. And um, yeah, we'll see you next time. Till then, 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.